0: Us, us color people sometimes hear about information and we burn it out like immediate. Like as soon as we hear about it, we, we bum rush it. That's what we say in Philly. We bum rush it and things stop working the way we thought they were working prior. And that's because we bum rushed it. So whatever the streets is talking about, they're doing and big figures, big entrepreneurs are saying, you just do this and do that. And I know they got a big voice. I kind of start migrating to the other thing.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Oglesby and Scott show. This podcast holds the belief that business and investing are team sports. We drop gems to help you turn your capital into generational legacy. We're sharing with you the best stories of successful African-American business owners and entrepreneurs.
2: Financial freedom is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. But now, five of the top financially free entrepreneurs are coming to Northwest Arkansas to show you that financial freedom is not some unattainable goal. They'll share how they achieved financial freedom and then give you steps that you can implement in your life and business so that you too can become financially free. The Financial Freedom Mastermind and Mixer is a special two-day event, July 16th and 17th, and is happening in Rogers at the Embassy Suites Hotel. Hear from real estate investor Henry Washington, who was featured on Yahoo Finance and Fox Business. Stock market and options trader Charles Oglesby, who was also featured in Forbes. Business strategist and coach George Pitts. Real estate and stock market investor Andre Haynes, as well as successful real estate investor Lamont Woods. It's the Financial Freedom Mastermind and Mixer, July 16th and 17th. Limited seating is available, so get your tickets now at Financial. Freedommixer.com That's
1: FinancialFreedommixer.com hey, And now, here are your hosts Miss Flippin' in Heels, Roshanna Scott and Mr. Todd Millionaire himself Charles Oglesby. Charles Oglesby
3: This is the Oglesby and Scott Show My name is Charles Oglesby here with Miss Rashana Scott. Welcome back Rashana. How you been? Good,
4: how are you?
3: Blessed, blessed I'm not living the life that you're living, traveling the world all my travel is uh, business lies.
4: travel. Uh, all my, my travel is
3: business travel.
4: So you still traveling?
3: Uh, yeah, it's still an experience. It
4: is. Uh, again,
3: welcome problem. back. Welcome back. Uh, we have a, a special show for you all today. We have a special guest. He goes by the name of Newt, the entrepreneur of Intensify Builders. Um, he's a 25-year-old entrepreneur from Philadelphia. He specializes in real estate investing and financial literacy. He received his bachelor's degree in construction management management from Morgan State and then he went on to receive his masters in engineering from Rowan University in New Jersey. At 24 year old at 24 years old, he was overseeing $25 million projects and then he decided to quit his six-figure job and pursue full-time entrepreneurship. Um, He now has a vast and quickly growing following on Instagram and TikTok and is looking to share his knowledge of real estate, financial literacy and building generational wealth. To date, his project accomplishment have been paying off his mother's mortgage on her birthday. So shout out to that, man. in March of 2021 and retiring her from her job. So welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The first question we always ask people is, uh, who are you and where are you from outside of the intro?
0: Uh, so as similar to the intro, so uh, my full name is Cornelius Middleton Jr. one of, I'm from born and raised in Philadelphia, spent most of my time there. Uh, West, one of West four, Philadelphia? North Philadelphia.
3: Born and raised?
0: Born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one, one of four children, being the second oldest, uh, a lot of things that we endure in the city being in inner city youth, at-risk youth, uh, a lot of things like that. So, you know, we was faced with a lot of obstacles, but uh, my mother did a great job with raising us. My stepfather was there. Unfortunately, my father did a lot of time in prison, so he was incarcerated, so he raised me from, like, cell phone uh from the from the jail phone slash the cell phone. Uh, but he was still in my life, but I had my stepfather that was there. So just just having that having that experience, just you know, me I mean, raised me up. And then uh like, like you said in the intro, I went, I then went on to college and I played division one football. Uh so like I had a real, real big passion for football. I thought that was gonna be my way out. Unfortunately, I got injured, so that kind of stopped quickly. And uh after that, I just found my passion to be able to just uh get into real estate and uh preach preach the word to everybody else who was looking to you know make a difference. And community.
4: Nice. Um, and so, and then you said like from college, you found your passion, you found real estate. So how exactly did you find real estate? Like was it classes that you were taking or was it somebody that you met along the way?
0: So I'm going to be honest, it was YouTube. I watched a lot of YouTube in college from 2013 to 2017. I went to college in 2013. So I'm 25 years old now, but when I went to college, I was 17. So because I was 17 years old, there was a lot of discrepancies about going to college. Uh, One being because I was a minor. So my mother had to do everything for me. She had to sign paperwork. I couldn't stay in a co-ed building. I had to stay with all Mm. males. Like it was a lot. It was like strict. Like it was like crazy, like everybody else can party and do whatever they wanted to do. And their parents didn't have to come, they could sign them in. But because I was 17 years old, my mother had to do literally everything up, everything for me until I turned 18. But what happened was because I had my first year in college, with that first couple of months, I couldn't do anything. So I spent a lot of time just like on my phone, you know what I mean, On on my tablet. I had got a new MacBook for college. So I would just surf on the web and I found like a bunch of people talking about like make money in real estate without using your own money. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, how you do this? So I'm watching videos and things like that. And uh uh I went to Morgan State University, which is in Baltimore, Maryland, and there's a heavy uh there's a heavy wholesaler there, his name Mark Witten. Uh Mark Witten, he's out in Baltimore. So I started like following him and doing some research. Wholesaling wasn't for me, but that's kind of how I got into the real estate aspect.
3: How were you able to get into college so young?
0: Uh, well, I just I I just worked hard. Uh, I didn't get skipped to anything. My birthday just late. Well, I started well, I started school early. Um, and my birthday late. So that's really the difference. But I didn't get skipped anything. Um, but yeah, I got I, I got in at seventeen years old. I was the youngest. Uh, like I'm 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 the youngest out of my friends. I'm the youngest out of family. Almost like I'm like the youngest everywhere I go. But uh, I just it was just because I started school early and my birthday fell late.
4: It was the same with me. yeah, my mother um was in education like for years, decades. And as soon as we turned of age, like three, she was like, You going to school. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and but my birthday is later in the year, so it's in the fall. so uh, so I same thing, right? Like I went to college when I was seventeen. I was always the youngest in my class. Yeah. so I get that. I understand that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So you mentioned um, wholesaling wasn't for you. So did you try wholesaling or you, you know, like, or or you were just, or no?
0: (laughs) So I did try wholesaling. So uh, I tried wholesaling when I was in college and I didn't have a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they made it seem so simple on YouTube. Like, oh, just find this house and do this. And then you find an owner and then just send them a letter. And I was doing that, but then that was getting costly. So I would be the one like at, at Morgan, we would have like $250 worth for print. So I would spend my whole 250 on like print and paper. Like, Hey, my name is such I want to buy your house. And I was using my anybody. I was like, like I was literally stealing people prints. Like I was literally like, you didn't log out your computer. I will go and like hurry up and print all on your stuff. So it was crazy. Like I was like going around stealing people' prints. Uh, but long story short, I tried wholesaling, and uh, like if I sent out three hundred letters, like two hundred and eighty eight came back to me, <laughs> like wrong address or not, not not a sender. So that was just really discouraging. But I had to pay for the stamps and everything to even do that. So it was really expensive. So I'm like. I, uh, this is not really working. Like, you know what I mean? Like after one big buck of sending, but I'm still watching people say, oh, I sent 700 letters out today and I got 400 responses. And I'm like, well, like why that didn't happen with me? So I immediately stopped. Like I immediately stopped. Well, that was after some time. Uh, like I didn't get all of them back at the same time, but I, once I figured out like, oh, that's really not for me. But at the same time, I was still learning about buying properties, flipping properties, being a landlord. So I started shortly migrating over to the landlord side and that's where I'm at now. Gotcha.
4: Okay.
3: And, and then your, your major is also in construction construction and real estate related. So yeah. when did you, was that kind of the inspiration in getting you into that path? To be
0: honest, no, uh, because I went to, I went to a, a really prestigious high school. It was uh, George Washington Carver High School of Engineering and Science. Uh, you had to take a test to get in. It was one of, the, it's still one of the best schools in the city of Philadelphia. Like it's just, it's not a, it's a public school, but you just can't go there. Uh, you got to be selected. You got to be like on a wait list and everything. Right. Uh, so I went there and I joined this program called ACE, which stands for Architects, Construction Managers and Engineers. And I joined that program and he literally paid us to go to school. Like so like I was in high school getting like one twenty five a week just to go wow. to school, like to like just show up, like not to not to do well, just to show up. So I'm like, well, you know what I mean? Like this is crazy. So we start doing like weekly, every other week, biweekly meetings. And I was meeting with people and everybody kept saying, "Like, oh, you want you want to do this, you want to do that? Like, you No, know, we make six figures. And where I'm from, six figures is never even talked about. So I'm like, well, I don't know what you all do, but I want to do it. So I just kept standing in that realm. And when I went to college, I thought it was architecture because I used to always sketch on my homework and stuff like that. And I thought I knew how to draw, but when I got to college, I noticed that that's a whole different type of drawing. So I immediately, as like, soon as I got there, instead of enrolling in architecture, uh, which is more sort of design phase, I went on to the construction phase, which is more so construction management management project management things like that so uh it all started from high school to be honest
3: any ventures while you're in college any business ventures outside of the wholesaling
0: uh yeah I was, uh, I'm not no more, but I still have a lot, but uh, I was a huge sneakerhead, so like any Jordan that came out, any Yeezys or or anything that like phone posits was really big at the time. So I would take like all my friends and we would go like sleep in the car overnight. And uh, we'll like, by like 30 in the morning, we'll get out and stand in the line. But we the first 15 people in line. And I would go down the line, and tell everybody what side they were to get when they got inside. And I would give everybody like 220, but that's what they were costing at the time. 220 or 190 or 160, depending on the shoe and all 15 of my friends would get that shoe and i would then come back to campus and resell and then uh i would then like let's just say the sneaker came out for 220 i was them for 280 290 and make 70 dollars but i got my 220 back and then now eventually obviously my particular shoe that i got for myself i kept i got for free and i still made a profit so i did that like aggressively for about two and a half years like people like was on campus like you getting the sneakers next week and sometimes i didn't even know what they were but i'm like yeah i'm getting them You know what I mean? Because it was a demand for it. So that was the only other business venture. And outside of like hack, like we call it like hacking, like taking people to the grocery store because I was the only one who had a car. So stuff like that, but nothing really, really like business venture outside of the real estate.
4: And so you were paying your friends that showed up with you.
0: Yeah, I would I would give them like sometimes I would bargain with them. Like most most of them, like the grocery store was probably like two miles down. But that's not bad for a college student to walk, especially on a nice day in Baltimore. It's like the scenic but it's, it's it gets a little tiring when you got milk and the case of water and you got to walk back so because I was the only one that had a car I would say you know like come with me on Sunday or Saturday to get these sneakers and I'll take you to the grocery store for your next two times for free. And they were fine with it. So I would like bargain at it like aggressively. But other than if, for, for those who like, oh, no, my mom will send me a care package this week. I don't need the grocery store. I'll say, OK, fine. Well, how much you want? And they'll be like, well, just give me $20. And it was like, all right, fine. So I'll pay them $20. And I sent you that still me 70 or, or 80, whatever the number was. And it was it was cool because I was in college. I didn't have that many expenses.
3: College economics are different, man. You make yeah. 70 bucks off of a flip. And that's good money, especially yeah, most times 15. time. You get on investment.
0: You like, man, I could do this yeah. for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> for sure.
3: So you graduated college, and then you got a job. Yeah.
0: Um. Uh. Well, match my master's degree. That was my bachelor. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So I graduated. Uh. So while I was at Morgan, so I played Division One football there. I was on a football scholarship, and then I also became a resident assistant, which is an RA. So I was on campus, and I was like, I was like the dad of the dorms. Right. Uh. That same residence hall slash dorm where that I started at I never moved out all those co-eds of people that got like older that was 18 like yo I'm gone where the girls is gone. Like I'm 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 staying in the co-ed building but I stayed in all um uh, all Mel dorm for all four years and I became the R one of the R's in the building. And I I, I, that like a, I I felt like a I felt like a different person when I was in that role. Like outside of being on the football field, I feel like I could be real personable. A lot of people was coming from the inner city, New York, coming to like at 17 years old, 18 years old and at the time I was like, well, I always did good academics. So I felt like, okay, like I can relate to them just a little bit better than other people. So let me become an RA. And that transpired to me becoming like a resident director, which is like over the RAs, but in grad school. So being an RA in undergrad allowed me to be an RD in grad school. Uh, yeah. And I went to grad school at Rowan University, which is in New Jersey, for absolutely free. Uh, so I got my master's degree paid for by being that RD in uh, grad school.
3: And that's what I was going to say. There's a lot of perks that come with you when you're an RA as yeah. well. You get free, free rent. Yeah. You're probably pay for your food yep. and I think they still kind of pay you a stipend a little bit
0: yeah yep so at Morgan you got all three of those things yep. yeah so it, that's it was, the come up it was man especially when you don't gotta pay uh and then because like you know it was super good for me because I played football so it's a scholarship you know what I mean so if my meal plan was 8500 for the year and housing was 10000 for the year, I would get that back in the form of a, re- uh, a refund check because it was my money to begin with anyway. So you talking about, you know I mean? That only happened once in the fall, once in the spring. But when it happened, it was like Christmas for, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? It was like, you know what we doing? You know what I mean? We going out all week celebrating. So uh, it, it was definitely good. In addition to me still having my my little business ventures, such as the sneakers and the, and the car hacking and stuff like that. So uh, it, it was, Morgan was fine. And uh, in grad school, that kind of, you know, went away a little bit. I got older. I wasn't to sneakers no more. I was more so business focused, and then uh, grad students don't really like I did my partying, shall I say, at Morgan, so I didn't really do much at grad school. It was like locked on, I gotta find a job, I gotta start a family, I gotta start a career, and things like that. So I didn't have that much leisure at Rowan. Got
4: it.
3: Um, before Rashana takes the conversation to a different place, and then I, I, I don't get to talk about college, I'm curious. What um what went through your mind when you got hurt and the, the dreams of going pro kind of went away? Uh, what did that situation look like for you?
0: And I'm gonna be honest, that probably was one of the toughest things I dealt with in life. Not the toughest, but one of the toughest. Um like I would I will I will never forget. I actually just posted this on Instagram. Like uh I had 12 staples down his shoulder. It was like 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 the, the injury that I had, only two people ever had it, and I was the third person to have it. So the doctor, like I had medical I have medical insurance from ball and i have my own medical insurance so everything was covered but the doctor flew in from england because that was the only one who did the prior two surgeries because it was so robust uh, but I remember getting hurt the day before my birthday, which was a week before my first game and my junior, no, my sophomore year. No, yeah. My sophomore year of college, when I got hurt, it was like everything went out the window. Like I was asking about trying to play again. They were like, dude, like you tell my play again, you better ask, you better hopefully, you know, you could move your arm again. You know what I mean? So I'm like, like you, you crazy doc. Like I'm, I'm move my arm again. So it like it took a turn for the worst. Like I did, I, I got literally lost the love for the game. Like almost like instantly. Uh, when I got, I did everything I could to get cleared again, like I went. The rehab, they said once a day. I was going twice a day they said rehab for two hours I was doing four hours they were saying they were saying one per set, I was like oh three percocets like you know what I mean <laughs> everything was just max I was like let me get I need to get back on the field and sure enough in like seven months I got cleared to play which is like the doctor was like yo like this I never seen this happen but at that at that point it was like everything was already done like the damage was already done like I didn't care for the game no more I didn't want to practice because I, it took so much toll on my body I lost a lot of weight it was just it was just a lot so uh, at that point I'm like you know what like maybe that's not for me and uh, I start changing my my focus and my attention and my energy on other things such as the real estate and you know what i mean and now i'm here so i'm like i'm grateful that that did happen to me and i I wouldn't change it but it was definitely a, a devastating event got
4: it Um, So shifting gears as Charles assumed. (laughs) So I want to talk about real estate and uh, what your first deal, your very first deal looked
0: like. Yep. So my first deal, I bought a single family property in Philadelphia that I converted to a multifamily. So uh, Philadelphia is one of the easiest places to actually get a single family that's already got the zoning. You don't have to do anything with the zoning variance and anything like that and convert it over to a multifamily to get higher rents. And that's what I did. Uh, However, my first deal was like super super awful but i learned so many lessons i lost a lot of money but um the first thing that happened to me was that i had i hired a contractor that said he can do everything uh whenever i hear a contractor say that they can do everything i immediately now today i'm like oh no thank you because you 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 specialize in too many things right like i, I want you to you kind of hone in on what you what you do um but I, when i mean i lost i lost like my whole entire savings like everything that i ever worked so hard for i lost it on that deal uh, it, it, it from from a material you Going missing to tools going missing to contractors running off running off with the money after giving them a 50% deposit. Like I was just super green. I just knew I wanted to get going, so I had I didn't have a lot of foundation in place prior to getting my first deal. I didn't have a mentor, no one guiding me on this. Everything was just through from YouTube and any a little bit of mentorship that I did take. Um, and it it, it, it drained me. Now today that property is making me a lot of money because you know I got it up and I got it occupied, and it seems like it's like oh it wasn't as bad, but during it, it was like the worst thing that I could have done. Yeah.
3: Um. When did you buy that property?
0: When? Yeah. March 29th, 2020.
3: Really? That's not that long ago.
0: That's last year.
3: Wow. Yeah. It's interesting because real estate is very forgiving. And I don't think a lot of people who get into this space understand that because they're trying to rush it. They're like, oh, I need the rents to be kicking out. Oh, I need this to be happening. But you can overspend. You can make mistakes. People can F you over. But if you're patient, the deal can still kind of be a good deal and yeah. so that's why it's cool to hear that like the deal that you said was like the biggest struggle actually now is doing pretty well
0: and I, and one thing that I, I how i look at real estate some people was like a lot of people like mm, nah like that's not a good way to look at things and i'm like to each his own you know what i mean but how yeah. i look at real estate as long as i don't lose money it was a good deal right like, i don't mind breaking even. like that's throughout that entire time if i did this property it took me four months and when it's all said and done i broke even that mean i had so much learning lessons throughout that four months like i i literally won i didn't make any financial financial gains but i didn't lose any money either so either i make money or stay the same the only time it become a bad deal is when i lose money but if i break even which i'm okay with doing i mean that however long or whatever i learned throughout that process you know what i mean i can't i can't forget about that you know what i mean so as long as i don't lose money I, i'm fine
3: so what were the numbers on that property um in terms of purchase price rehab and then uh, what does it look like today?
0: Okay, uh, the purchase price was like sixty five thousand dollars. The rehab was supposed to be sixty five thousand dollars, which was a total of one hundred and thirty. Uh, however, the rehab price went up to like $95,000 because of contractors running off and materials going missing and stuff like that. That I said earlier, so now we we are like 160 now, you know what I mean? We're a lot higher than we thought. Uh, so we had like 160, but I ran my numbers conservatively expecting the ARV to come back at 220, right? So I'm like, okay, the ARV come back at 220, I still can live, still can live, however, like. Like six months into me doing a property, like three doors down, put for sales sign up. Didn't know how nice the property was, anything. But that was six months into construction. The property sold like rather quickly for like 280,000. So I'm like, wait, are you serious? So now I start Googling the pictures. Like, let me see what that property looked like. To ensure that I'm on the right track to make my property look that similar, if not better. Sure enough, of course, I think that their property it was a little dated because it was older. They didn't do much renovation with the homeowner. So me being an investor, I actually did some more renovations and made it a little bit nicer. Put central air, put a lot of porcelain in there, things like that, vinyl floor. And when it came back for the ARB, it came back at 275. So when I was running my numbers at 220, like the, the the selling of the area made that deal worth it. Like if I didn't lose any money on that deal, if I kept the rehab at 165, at oh man, I would've been like millionaire statuses for like but because I lost so much money in the rehab portion I just kind of start breaking even got some of my money back and was able to kind of go rolling to the next deal and now that duplex there the rent the, the, the mortgage on it is like 1200 but it's a duplex I'm bringing in 25 a month so I got like a 1000 spread every single month like I mean of course we got to factor in vacancies and stuff like that water bill is my, is really minimal and I put all utilities other than water on the tenants mm-hmm.
4: So, um, so how did you finance
0: the deal? Uh, so I financed the deal to a hard money lender. Uh, but during that time I was like starting my journey with credit, with, uh, with business funding. So now today like, I'm like, like, uh, phenom when it comes to like uh business funding. Like that's all I care about. Business credit, business, credit, business, credit. Uh but when I started, I didn't really have much. So I used some cash to get into a hard money loan. Uh, and I used some credit to get to also go toward the hard money loans. So I used the hard money lender to get a purchase and a rehab loan. Uh, and they gave me they they was willing to give it to me, but my rates were extremely high because that was my first deal. I didn't have no experience. I was young. Like everything was everything that could happen and would happen during that time of me locking that deal up. But I was able to get the deal. I paid like five. Points to get the deal done. Like it was just when I tell people they like, oh no, like you shouldn't have did that. But it's like I, you know, I can't change it and it helped me today. So now I'm able to negotiate, like, oh no, five points, that's out the window. More like one and a half points. Oh, 14%, no nah, more like nine percent. Oh, 12-month term, no, I need 16-month term. Like you know what I mean? So I'm able to know what's good, know what's bad, stuff like that. So sometimes that, that, that I think that helped me out a lot.
4: So let me ask you, um, even more specifically, was yeah. it um uh, mm-hmm. Was it difficult for you to find like that hard money lender? Did you have to go through a couple ones first, or you know, like how did you find them?
0: Yeah. Uh. So it was just. So it wasn't hard. I only went through that. Like I, it was like a one stop shop. Soon I got to him. He. I went through a broker. Uh. So I knew a gentleman that always like talked about loans and he can get you hard money loans stuff like that for real estate. And I always kept his number. So I just gave him a shot one day. Like, hey, this these are the numbers. And I guess he shot me around to like 15, 16 different people. And he just yep. gave, me, gave me the rates. So it wasn't as hard and, uh, to, to get the deal or get the funding. But what I will say is that now and today, Like I paid a lot more because I went through him and he got to get his. And I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, my numbers were extremely higher than I thought because I had to pay you for finding that person that I could have originally found myself. So now it's like, I I mean, I'm more seasoned now. So I'm using private money and not hard money. So things are a lot different.
4: Yeah, and that's good. I'm glad you shared that because there's definitely a lesson in that because you said like, you know, you had to pay somebody that you could have found yourself, but maybe you would not have found yourself, right? And so um, I hear that that story um, over and over again where people are like man I hate that I had to pay a broker fee like I had a friend who paid um, like a $2,500 broker fee and didn't know he was going to broker the loan out but without brokering the loan out how else would he have found you know someone to, to do the loan and it was a commercial loan and he didn't have a lot of contacts you know at the time that he did it and so um, I think that's a good lesson there for the listeners um, and the reason why I ask is because like you say you do, you are you know you you were young and you um you know was was your first deal and you have all of these things that are you know already already stacked against you to Mm -hmm. make the process difficult in a sense and that's why I asked like how many you know um lenders did you have to go through in order to get it you know approved and done and then also too you literally bought like Right at the top of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. A lot of hard money lenders shut down. Yeah,
0: that's because, oh. so I'm happy you brought that up because most people like March 29th, like that was during the pandemic. Like they like once I said, they, they like resonate with them. But yeah, that was the last week before it was like, oh, we must wear masks. So I went to close it <laughs> with no, I, like we didn't have, like it was not a thing yet. Like it was still, it was still talked about like, mind you people like that's Kobe Bryant had just passed and we we're still talking about that in the media then a couple of people was getting sick and and they was bringing it up, but it wasn't nothing major. So when I went to closing, it was still like lax And that. The reason why I think that loan went through because we already had a commitment well before the pandemic. You know what I mean? So it was like uh, the closing date was just March 29th, but the loan got locked up like February, but we didn't have no closing dates because it were booked up. And then the, the, the seller wanted to use that particular title office. So we could have closed earlier but we didn't but yeah it was like right before the pandemic like really hit
4: and then the numbers um on the hard money loan like I know you said you um you know use hard money and it was um like you said a high percentage like fifteen percent. Um, interest rate and like five points. What was your down payment like? How was that structured?
0: Uh, they it was at the time it was like 9,100, so 90% purchase price, 100% rehab. Oh, okay. So I had to bring 10% to the table. Okay. Uh, but that 10%, when you do it, like okay, the purchase price is 50, 65,000, 10% of that. Okay, cool. It's only a couple few thousand dollars, but then you got that factor in the fees and origination points. And then uh, uh, then it's like uh, the down payment that you got factor in like the, the legal and the transfer fees. And then the UNO, which is using, like, then I'm like, oh, I didn't expect all. like. So then I had to tap into lines of credit and credit cards to kind of bring that money together because my mind only needed 7,500 or 6,500 to get the deal done, but that wasn't the case. So I wound up putting down like roughly, like almost close to like 20,000.
4: Mm, yeah. And at the time, so you're 25, so you were 24 at the time. Yeah. And you were able to scramble and pull put up put together twenty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. And I had some cash, but that credit, that's why I, now I look at credit totally different. Like I, I I preach credit all although real estate is my main thing. That's all I care about real estate, but that credit, that's that's a different that I tell people like if you don't got credit, like you need to do something, you need to change it, you need to figure out, you need to get going. Like credit literally is a monster, especially if you know how to use it.
4: Yeah, it's a
0: tool. So can
3: you break down um business credit and what that looks like? Because I know maybe somebody, this is their first time even hearing the concept of business credit. All they know. Is personal credit. You yeah. don't know how that exists. So can you kind of uh, give us uh, your take on that?
0: Yeah. So, so business credit, uh, I, I say it's the best type of funding you can get in today's society. And it's for two main reasons. One, business credit is this thing called stated income. So you can tell that you your credit application. You can say that you made 500,000 that you only made $50. So it's stated income. So there's no other type of funding. You can just do stated income. 95% of the time, you got to go through an underwriting process in order to get approved. The second reason why is because there's no documentation. So I don't have mm-hmm. the prove to you based on what I said in my application. So if I said I made a hundred thousand last year and I really didn't, you're not going to ask me to show any documentation to prove to you that I made that 100 grand. So because there's no documentation needed in the stated income, my application can say I made $1.5 million last year. Will I put that? Probably not, but there's no file playing that, right? so then now it's like once i know once i have identified that it's like okay that's that's like magnificent but then like right underneath that business credit does not report to the personal side so because the, the, the personal side does not get affected by me maxing up business cards they mean i can get this ten thousand dollar credit card go do whatever i need to do with it and you won't even see my credit score or my personal side go down all i gotta do is just pg it so once i have identified those things and i start running this cycle i'm like yo like this going like i, I already like my mind i've always been a thinker like i've been in the stem field like i'm like okay like i a problem solver, like I start identifying problems, but getting solutions rather quickly. And the solution was like, "Oh, I can do this. I can do that." So, for those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people know from watching you all. The business credit is like super important because it don't report. And then I can PG it, but where, where the game changed for me at is because uh, I would get these things that I call LLCs and then EIN numbers, right? And I call it like the, the business birth certificate and the business social security number. And I would get those two and I would then package those together and I would go ahead and apply for a credit card. So right now I'm currently, I'm currently sitting at 75 LLCs. And the reason why I got so many LLCs is for the fact that because I because I can get an EIN and an LLC at any given time for $125 in the state of Pennsylvania, now I'm taking that same EIN and I'm going to Chase Bank and I'm getting the Chase Sapphire Unlimited card or the, or the Chase uh, Preferred card or whatever, or the Ink Business, right? I'm getting an Ink Business card. They approved me for $10,000, but they run in my personal credit. So now I'm getting a hard inquiry. But because the debt does not report to my personal side, I'm able to go remove the inquiry like this. So now I remove the inquiry and now I take a second LLC back and get the Chase Inc business card again for the second business because it's a whole different EIN number. But they have to run my credit again. But guess what? The first inquiry already took it off and I removed the same inquiry. So now I found the need to learn how to repair or remove inquiries. Learn how to establish my LLCs and EIN myself, and then learn how to apply for business funding. And once I learned those three mechanisms, like it was like a well-oiled machine. And I've been doing that for the last year and a half, like burning banks down. Like I got the same business card, like I got the Chase Inc. business card, probably like thirty-three times. You know what I mean? And we, like we're not gonna talk about the reward points and the sign-up bonuses Yeah. All those things happen. I I, re, I was a, on the recipient end of it. So I was like, now I'm just like harping on that. And now we're doing some different things, but it, 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 was, it was crazy. Nice. Yeah.
4: Hey ladies, this is Rashana Scott. And are you looking for a community of women real estate investors? If so, I wanna take a quick second to share with you Infinity Membership. Sorry fellas, but Infinity Membership is a women's only online community for newbie and experienced investors. Come let your hair down and join a non-judgment zone sisterhood where all of your questions about investing in real estate get answered. This is also an opportunity to learn from the best of the best. Other seasoned and successful women in the industry share their success tips often. Our live group sessions are twice a month, and we support each other daily within our private Facebook group. Our sessions range from driving for dollars, to working with contractors, to out-of-state investing, raising private capital, marketing your deals, and so much more. Does this sound like something that you've been looking for? Well, we would love to have you. For more For more information, visit us at bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Um, so, removing inquiries. Yeah. What is that process? Are you just, like, sending a letter? Are you just, like, disputing online?
0: So, it depends. I keep my street to the air. My ear to the street, shall I say? I'm sorry. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because whatever people are talking about most, I do the opposite, right? For, so, for, I, it's sad to say, but us, us color people sometimes hear about information and we brand it out, like, immediate. Like, as soon as we hear about it, we, we bum rush it. That's what we say in Philly. We bum rush it and things stop working the way we thought they were working. And prior, and that's because we bum rushed it. So, whatever the streets is talking about, they're doing and big figures, big entrepreneurs are saying, You just do this and do that and I know they got a big voice, I kind of started migrating to the other thing. So in my time, uh, I've been doing a lot of online. Then I did a lot of uh, letters, but one thing that I kind of keep to the tuck and I don't really talk about too much is faxing. So I started faxing my disputes in because for most people don't know because most people don't do faxes because faxes is like an old school thing, right? So I didn't know it, but when you fax something, you have to wait to see that they've received it. They send you like a copy. So the letter I got to wait seven to 10 business days for you to even probably get it. Online dispute, maybe four days. Or if, you, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, that's like maybe even longer than that. Fax, 35 seconds. So I know you're getting it because why? You've got to send me, a, you have to send me a confirmation that you received it on your end. So it prints out. So I don't have a fax machine because that's vintage. So I got to go to Staples and pay the, the 7 hours to fax something over. And i wait patiently 35 seconds of time to, for that confirmation sheet to come out. Saying that they received it. Saying that Equifax, got it. Saying that TransUnion, got it. Saying that Experian, got it. Man, I got my copies. I know you have it. This is the proof here. And it took every bit of 35 seconds. So now I, I'm starting getting my stuff off like this because you get you get my disputes instantly almost. Up, I mean, compared to online or compared to the the, 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 the letter. So it's like when I start faxing, it was like I changed the game with the fax thing. Like I, I just been doing it for a while now. So, um
4: wait, I got a quick question. And even but even if you are disputing like they are they don't have to remove. Everything. Right.
3: That's all I was going to ask, because like, is it one of those things where you're disputing the inquiry and then they're looking at your credit report to see if you got the actual credit account?
0: Yes. Yes. So, so a lot of people ask me this and it's like, I don't know, it's just like one of those things like, yeah, like it's kind of like some people don't be like, that's, that really works. Like it really does. Anything that's on your credit report that's not attached to an account, any, let me, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Any inquiry that's on your credit report that's not attached to an account can be removed no matter what. So prime example, let's just say, let's say tomorrow we go to Discover Bank and we all three of us apply for a credit card and all three of us get number. We don't have an account attached to that. We can remove the inquiry. Now, let's say we apply for a Discover card and get approved. Because that account will show up on our profile, we cannot remove the inquiry. Because if we remove that inquiry, we run the risk of removing that account. You know what I mean? So we got to make sure that anytime we remove an inquiry, that account was not on our profile because the business does not report to the person. It's never going to show up. So when I get a Chase card, I got the Chase card and it's coming to me in the mail in the next three or five business days. But the inquiry is here. But even if I wait to remove the inquiry, I can be used, I can use. My car all day long at an ATM or at a, at a store, but that's never going to show up in my profile, so I can always remove that inquiry. Oh,
3: yeah. Um, in terms of recruit or uh, uh, removing the inquiry, you fax it to the credit bureau, and what if they don't? Then do you have to take it somewhere else, or what does that look like?
0: Uh so it, it has only been a few times. Like they'll still come back and say something like, like the most generic letter, like this is verified. Well, how was ver- it How was it verified? If you don't have, I don't have the account, like you know what I mean? So now, I, now I start going to factory disputing, which is a whole different tactic. But that's only like if I had disputed, if I sent in a thousand faxes over the time, I probably had to go to factual dispute every bit of five to ten times. Every time okay. I go because there's no there's no like it's, it's a different when people try to dispute inquiries for an account that they fully really had. It's like, wait, you're trying to dispute this Capital One and you just fight your Capital One yesterday. Like, come on, like it, there's a resignation there. So, so I, I, I tell people like as long as it's not on there, like I, I haven't got too much pushback over the last year and a half.
3: What does a typical letter say that you're sending over to them?
0: Uh basically this saying like I-, I have noticed some discrepancies in my report, noticed some things that don't look to be right. Uh this inquiry such as this name at this date uh showed up in my report. At, and the report that I checked was as of this date, but because this information does not look valid, I'm asking that you remove it from my profile. Uh, and essentially that's what you're saying in like a couple, a couple paragraphs, but you inside the paragraph, you're going to list the inquiry name, the inquiry date. And that's pretty much that. And you'll remove, and then obviously the credit bureau that it's on, like every, everybody don't just pull experience training, like effect. They may have only pulled experience. So then you'll just send that letter strictly to experience. So that's pretty much that. And then once they receive it, once I got that fax, I wait, I done got inquiries off in like four days. Like that was the fastest I have ever gotten. Then people popped up with like the 24 hour method where you can call and then do it over the phone, stuff like that. And yes, that works as well. But of course, once again, us as the, you know I mean, the colored people, sometimes we burn things out. So the, the online, I mean, the calling was working. Like you can call and say, hey, this is not me. I don't know what this is. Can you remove it? three hours is off, but then everybody start doing it. And then you can't get nobody on the phone from experience. You know what I mean? So it's like things change rapidly, especially once we all know about it. So I just stick mm-hmm. to the thing that I know work and have been working. And it's, it may take longer than three hours, but at least I know I'm getting my my rates and my success rates.
3: Um, before we ask other questions, I was gonna ask you, um, the person that you're contacting is like the dispute department. Who, like, what is the name of the department that you're contacting?
0: So, so I'm contacting. So most time I'm contacting the fraud department, but I give you all a quick little gem. So the fraud department get bogged down a lot, right? Because everybody's going there. So. What I like to do is I like to go to the minor department. When I mean when I say minor, you know, if you ever call experience or engineer, there's or if you look online, they ask you if you're do you have a discrepancy that's going on with a minor, meaning someone under the age of 18. So I like I like to start contacting them because their line is always open, especially because it's a minor. It's like for some reason I, I can get somebody on the phone at all times for the for the minor department. But When I go to the regular fraud department where we really probably want to go, they don't work. But then because I'm in a minor department, it's like I get bumped up and I can get somebody on the phone. So lately I've been doing a lot of stuff to the mining department and I've been getting like way better success even even better than the fraud department
3: this brother is smart <laughs> <laughs> like, you just be thinking
0: auto. man like <laughs> yeah that's 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 what I did like for a real long time just like I spent a lot of, after after just not playing football and not having to be out and stuff like that I spent a lot of time like just researching and trying stuff and now it's just at the point now I'm just like doing that in a high level just trying to just duplicate myself if I can
4: um so when you get the credit cards how exactly are you using the credit um, in your business? Like, are you um, pulling money off the cards? And if so, like what method are you using for that? Or are you just like swiping, you know, and buying materials?
0: Yeah, yeah. so I'm using the cards for everything, right? Uh, but uh, one of my favorite ways is to obviously to use it to purchase properties and then pay contractors or pay for material. I don't really use and do anything else. I don't really go out too much. Uh, but one way, so so most people don't know, but a credit card is not certified funds, right? That's considered debt. So you cannot purchase a house with a credit card. So if there's a bunch of people who got ads out on social media, like, hey, let me, let me teach you how I bought that house with this card. It doesn't work that way. You just physically can't go to the title company and say, hey, like where your ATM at, where your, where your merchant machine at, it doesn't work that way, right? And unfortunately, there's, most people don't know how to take the money off the credit card. So uh what I like to do is I like to get that credit card, let's say if it's 20 grand, I like to then liquidate it, which means take the money off of it, put it in my bank account, and then then go get a certified check, make it out, make it payable to the title company. And now I essentially use that credit card to buy that property. So yes, I take the money off the credit card sometimes, but most time I'll just keep it on there to buy material and pay my contractors. And then I'm getting reimbursed because it's a hundred percent rehab budget. So all I got to do is call my draw inspector and he'll come out and inspect the property and reimbursing my money so i do take the money off the cards in some way that i do um i like this thing called a cash events uh but it's it's i call it like credit card packaging right so I, i'm really like descriptive so i want to give you all a quick example right so let's just say i got two different credit cards right here right so this credit card has a 100 percent cash advance option but this credit card right here has a zero percent balance transfer right so I got two different cards, two different things. So this, I'll take this card to Chase. Let's say Chase Bank. Let's say it's American Heritage or like Navy Federal. I would then go to Chase Bank and I'll say, Hey, how's it going today? I want to do a cash advance. They're going to say, Okay, well, how much are you looking to take off? I'm going to take off the max. Let's just say it was ten thousand. I'm going to take this ten thousand dollars off this card. They're going to give me a, a form of a check. I'm then going to deposit that check into my bank account. But now I owe my credit card ten thousand dollars. But I'm going to have the high interest rate come the end of the month because I got to pay these cash advance fees. But the only way for me to avoid that is if I then transfer the balance from this card over to the 0% balance transfer card. So now I'm going to move. I'm going to call this card and tell them, Hey, this is Cornelius. They're going to say, how can I help you? I'm going to say, I want to transfer the debt from this card. They're going to give me the 16 digit number. And they're going to say, oh, I see it's a Chase card. Is that correct? You want to move 10 grand over to us uh, being whatever bank this was? I said, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. So now this card that's maxed out, I'm going to move the money over here. This credit card is now going to be maxed out and this card is going to be alive again. So if I wanted to, I can then go take the money off again and pull off another 10 grand. But I know if I don't have a card to transfer to at the end of the month, I'm going to pay these high interest rates. So now I'm repeating that process like over and over and over again. But now I got my funds in my bank account and I could then go make a certified check payable to the title company to buy that next property.
3: But so why not take the the money off of the 0% card?
0: So because this is you can not most times you can't take money off the credit card. So it's only 0% on purchases or balance transfers. Got it, got it. So you, got it is not 0% on cash advances, you know what I mean? So you got to be strategic on with the card saying and you got to know how to read it so like most times uh and and for those who will be listening to this, uh, make sure that when you apply for a credit card, if it says 0% for 12 months, it's not 0% for 12 months when you want to start using it. It's 0% for 12 months once you get approved for that car. So that was a big mistake that I made. I thought 0% for 12 months. I call myself leaving a sticker on and not calling to activate it. And once mm-hmm. you got approved, once you get approved, like they'll give you some, they give you like five to seven days to get the card in the mail. And then that 12 months is running. I don't care if you didn't use, I don't care if you even didn't call a shit. I don't even care if you never took the sticker off or the card. You, that 12 months is running. So I call myself being slick, like, oh, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to call to activate it. I'm going to activate it when I need it. And sure enough, when I activated, I only had like three months left on my time. So I kind of, Wasted wasting my other not much just just idling money
3: one of the the interesting things about our guests is a lot of them learn through mistakes but you make mistakes by doing and so a lot of people want to have all the answers and no mistakes before they take action the dude is smart because he's taking action he's doing things he's learning and so as he's learning he's putting these systems in place based on what he knows and that now now allows him to do stuff i never even thought of like this is just crazy you got it down to a science um what does your business look like today?
0: So today uh, I do a lot of online teaching. Uh, I do a lot of e-products uh, and I'm like, super, I'm like buying properties like left and right. Uh, and that's kind of where I want to stick. And I'm also getting funding for people. So I, when I first got into it, I was doing credit repair. I was on this, I was on that. And I just fucking myself down. My team is tired and I wasn't as productive, right? Uh, but I just wanted to have a space and everything. And then I realized like, people don't care about that. People want you to be good at what you're good at. And once I have identified that, it's like now my only thing that I focus on is the real estate, financial literacy, and whether it's form of like online, such as this podcast, eBooks, e-products, or if it's in person and uh, real estate. So that's pretty much all I'm doing now. Uh, and that's all through Intensify Builders. But most of my properties, I buy in different LLCs for liability reasons. And then Intensify Builders is where I got services and products at. So if you need mentorship if you want uh, to get an ebook, if you want to, you know, get the mini course or the full course, like those are all like all different services that I offer right now. Yeah.
4: And in terms of real estate, I know you say you're buying a lot of properties right now, so um, your main strategy is holding, you're buying all of them to keep, like rehab and rent out.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't really believe in flipping, I think it can work, especially if you want to build up capital. Um, but if you like did not really press for the money right now, then it's like I don't really see the flipping point of, unless you have to uh but yeah I, most of my stuff i just do buy and hold uh fix them up i do like i buy them at the rock bottom point and obviously i'm doing a burst strategy so i'm renovating it refinancing and repaying it getting the tenants out getting the tenants in there and then obviously refinancing it at the end so i'm just doing that whole process but more importantly uh getting those properties in areas that i know or that i believe is up and coming so i'm investing in areas where people like oh no and they mm-hmm. like well you're not gonna get tenants in there and then it's like okay i post the pictures and then like three days later, I got 500 applicants and it's like, well, what happened to me not getting tenants? You know what I mean? So it's like, even when I first started, everybody like, yo, you're not going to be able to get in the white and brown that block. And I'm like, yo, you probably be right. And then I'm like nervous as heck throughout the whole construction project. And then it takes me 90 days to get it fixed up. And then I post it and then I can't even control the volume of applicants I got. And I'm like, well, this what happened to this block being so bad. And then now you find the next investor. The next thing you know, the block is good again. You know what I mean? So it's like, I I like to invest in places like that.
3: There's still opportunities like that in Philadelphia.
0: Oh yeah, I would I would just ride around a day talking about that. So many people I didn't heard it before from people that's from Philly. Philly saturated. I'm going to Detroit. Philly saturated. I'm going to Baltimore. Philly saturated. I'm going to Ohio. Philly sat- all these places, but Philly. Yeah. And I'm like, you you leaving? All right, before you go, let me show you something real fast. And I'll show them the <laughs> whole avenue that's just all abandoned, saturated. Okay. Where saturated? Okay. Where? like, it just don't make sense to me. You know what I mean? So, but Philly, you still can. Now, you can't. Well, you can if you're doing your own stuff. But like, there's not a lot. Ten thousand, fifteen, or 20000 dollars on our properties floating around right now, right? Um, but you can definitely get a property for 50-60, But once it's fixed up and stabilized, it's worth to $20,000. So it's like it's just it's the same numbers as buying something for twenty and it's worth one sixty. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just different numbers, different entry points.
3: Mm-hmm. I like that's a bar, man. Different numbers, different entry points. A lot of people they get scared away when the the asset value goes up. And I realized like now your ARV just increased.
0: Yep that's that's the only that's the only difference. Like, like I, I don't mind buying a people are like, well, what's your what's your budget? I'm like, well, there's really no budget. You know and I mean, the numbers make sense. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's like I'll buy a property in the right. desert, as long as the numbers make sense.
3: I hate that question, man. Mm-hmm. I hate when somebody asks me like, well, what's your crutch? Like, does it make money or does it not make money? man?
0: <laughs> right. That's all I care about. As long as the numbers make sense, I, 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 I'll purchase it. What
3: would you say was your favorite deal? My
0: favorite deal. uh I would say that I would say I got a four-unit. I have a four-unit apartment complex. uh that I bought that was higher than what it was worth at the time, but I still got it. But then I was able to renovate majority of the building, and now the building is like almost doubled in value. So wow. I haven't did any movement yet with it, as far as refinancing or anything. I just I'm, I just renovated it and getting tenants in there. Well, tenants is in there, and I'm obviously collecting rent money. But I haven't made any refinance moves on it yet, only because I just feel like I. I'm gonna get short right now during the during this pandemic. But once things open up and we are fully opened up, then I can go ahead and then go ahead and get a real appraiser out here, see what the property's worth, and then I'll probably be looking at like a four like a three, four hundred thousand dollar refinance just off the property that I had. So I think that will be my best deal my favorite deal. But it it's still got some ways to go.
1: Yo, it's the options trading workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn twenty thousand dollars inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses that's right learn the what the where and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar to find out more details hit us up on the link in the bio on instagram at partner with or on instagram at todd.capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash todd capital Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at Partner with Millie or on Instagram at Todd.Capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward
0: slash Todd Capital.
3: What would you say was like the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome? And what did you learn from it?
0: Uh, the biggest obstacle, um, I would say, to be honest, is I have a problem with, like, micromanaging. Like, because I've been let down so many times, by I, I asked for help, and then the help said they're going to help, and then the help don't help. So then now I'm, like, stuck, like, oh, boy, like, I'm unprepared, embarrassed, like, just all that, you know what I mean, every adjective you can think of. So now it's like, I got a team of people who, who value me and, and see the vision, but at the same time, it's like, I want to show you how to do something, but then I'm also want to Peek around the corner and make sure you're doing it correctly you know what i mean so i i think that's the biggest obstacle is just being able to be more vulnerable and more open and and to, to a lot people to help me because you can't do it by yourself like there, there's no there's no way like a team like you need a team in order to grow you need a team to be able to be to be great like all these things you need you need people around you. and i believe team is like the way to go so i'm actually reading a book right now who not how uh and i'm talking about like i so many people referred the book to me and i'm not a big reader but i'm like this is like the fifth person that actually-
3: it's, a, it's a good book man.
0: Like it's a phenomenal book. I like this it's is like, it's phenomenal. Like so I'm actually reading that book right now. And um uh, mm-hmm. like I, I had to like I gotta pause it every so often because it's like so deep. And I'm just like, did you hear like I I'm just like my mind is exploded. So it's like, yeah. like that was my that would be my biggest obstacle, like being being too micromanagey and trying to look around the corner to see if you're doing things right. I should just trust what's going on and trust that you got the skill set to get the job done.
3: Rashana, are you a micromanager?
4: Uh- I don't think so, but I can be.
3: <laughs> I think I might be a micromanager. I just told people I need a daily report. I, I need to know what's going on every day, I, I, I can't. I don't let think that's being a
4: micromanager, though. I think that's you know knowing what's going on in your business yeah. as mm-hmm. you should, right? I respect I micromanager it. is when you ask somebody to do a task and then you're. Standing over them every step of the way while they complete that task. Okay. Right, and be, because you know at that point, then you know you might as well do it yourself. Yeah. yeah.
3: So. so we got a few quick questions that we ask people fire round style. I call it the final four. First question is: What is your favorite real estate or business book?
0: Hey, real estate or business book. Um. It's called it's called Burr. The book is called Burr. Uh, and it's that's a good book. It's, yeah. It's it's by it's, it's I think his name is Brandon. He's off of he's from Bigger Pockets. So he, and, he uh, Yeah, so it's a book cover. Yeah, it's it's like super good. It explains it in detail. Like, it's like, I see a lot of videos now and people explain the birth strategy. I'm like, well, that's not what the book say. You know what I mean? So it's like, I always refer back to the book because it helped me out like when I first started. So that book is really good.
3: The bird book is good because he goes in depth into every letter. And so you would think it's just about burying. And it is, but he's going to tell you how to buy right. Yeah, He's going to tell you how to rehab right. He's going to tell you how to refinance. And all the letters of the... The bir- its a great book. Yeah. If you're looking for a real estate book, definitely, I highly recommend that book. That's probably it's one of my favorite cool. books.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, Who is someone you look up to and why?
0: Who is someone I look up to and why? Um, uh, I, I I look up to my mother a lot. Um, and the reason why is for the fact that she 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 did the unthinkable in my mind. You know, what I mean, she worked three jobs. So I'm 25. My sister is 27, but my mother is 42. So to do the math on that. My mother had my sister really young. She had me really young so we like we, we was like raised she was raising us as she was raising herself like she, we mm. grew up together essentially so to see my mom like leaving us at our, my grandma's house like all day and then like working three jobs and coming home and taking nursing classes and doing online courses it was just like unreal like, i'm like i didn't understand it at the time like what are you doing all this for like we never had time to play we never had time to go to the playground but i just knew that she did everything that she could to like raise us right you know what i mean and obviously once my stepdad got in the picture things became a lot easier for her and uh, but it was the fact that she still endured that before he was in the picture, you know and I mean, so I, I commend her for that, for her just having that willpower and that determination. Because whether we had, well, whether we didn't have it, I never really could tell. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: How were you able to pay off her house, and what did that feel like?
0: Um, so I was able to pay off her house from. I had a, I did a deal, and I had like a really, really large refinance uh, option to take. So uh, most time I don't refi the entire thing. I leave some equity in there, and sometimes depending on the deal and where the location is at, but I have refinanced the property and. And I was able to roll some of that portion to her remaining mortgage. So, uh, and it felt great because it was on her birthday. She never been to the closing table with me before. She never been to closing table with anybody besides herself when she bought her property back years ago. Um, but she didn't know what to expect. We had the cameras there, so she like already looking like where, like what's going on. So then once I explained to her what's going on, like my, it's her birthday. It's, so not only is it her birthday, it's women, it's International Women's Day, and she's at the closing table. And so it was like a triple whammy for her. And then when I explained to her like what I'm doing and why like basically like what's happening she like just bust out crying and like it felt it felt great because like you always hear people like whether it's on social media whether it's on movies whether it's on a radio station like yeah i did this for my mom i poured this for my mom paid off her mortgage i retired my mom and it's like i always thought like well what if i be able to do that and when i had the opportunity like i, I seized the moment you know what i mean i made sure yeah. i that got done
3: that's dope shout out to you for that man that's super dope <laughs> Um Thank you. what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail or never get started?
0: Say that first part again.
3: What sets apart successful investors? From those who give up, fail, or never get started.
0: Uh consistency, being persistent. So I, I think that's the, the two core things that you need in any business. I don't care if you start an lemonade stand or you want to be the biggest real estate investor there is nationwide in, in in the world. And I really believe that persistency helps you get it. Consistency helps you keep it, right? So when you think about that, like you have to be persistent in order to attain something. Like if you want to go to the gym, if you, you have to be persistent to go to the gym, right? You got to be persistent, you got to get up, you got to put your two feet on the floor, get in your car or go downstairs in the apartment, whatever you may do, you have to be persistent to know that I got to go to the gym. But when you're in the gym, you have to be consistent on going every day to keep the muscles, to stay looking in shape. So like knowing that persistence helps you get it and then consistency helps you keep it. I just think that if you're able to do that and translate that to everything in life, there's no there's no way you can lose. Like there's there's no way. Like I know people who don't have consistency, but got everything else. And it's like they still don't have it, you. Know and I mean, so it's like one you you just need. I feel like you just need those two in order to kind of like go to that next level and obviously continue to challenge yourself and keep going up. And
3: the last question is, what does wealth mean to you?
0: Wealth mean oh man, it, 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 it means planting seeds today that I ain't going to be able to harvest yeah um that's that's just that like i everybody want to get the riches today like I, I mean i'm sure i would like a bentley truck right now you know what i mean i'm sure i would like a lamborghini but i don't got it nor do i really desire it but i know 95 percent of things that i'm doing today i'm probably not going to really see the real fruits of it yeah i'm probably get some benefits and that 1,400 on a rent check when we talk about when things really start to really go up in value when the times change we talk about my children children will get to see this you know what i mean my younger siblings today will probably get to see some of it you know i mean so that's what it really means planting seeds today that you won't be able to get the harvest. Yeah,
4: good stuff. Well, thank you so much um, for this interview. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, and support what you have going on?
0: Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and all social platforms at Newt underscore the entrepreneur. That's N-E-W-T underscore the entrepreneur. Uh, I do a lot on Instagram right now, but I plan on diversifying and YouTube and stuff like that. So that's coming real
4: soon. Good stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Much for dropping so many gems. Thank you. Um, I mean, you talked about, like you said, just the credit card hack and um even, you know, just from your first deal, you know, just not knowing <laughs> what you were getting yourself into, but jumping in and figuring it out, like Charles mentioned, you know, at the end of the day, take action. Um, I think that's definitely something that we see repetitively on um our podcast from our guests. Like, you know, especially when you're first starting out, you you aren't going to have all the answers and that's okay you know but as long as you get started that's really automatic um speaking of that man
3: i like when you do those recaps those are really helpful how how do my shades look my my blue blocker glasses rashana they look all right they're glaring on you
0: yeah. <laughs> they definitely glaring on me i can't really even see <laughs>
3: These are OK for Shades, which is not a sponsor, but is my frat brother's company. Uh, So shout out to him and his business. We'll have the links in the show notes. Also, we got the Tweet Talk merch on. Get started. Get fancy later. I got to sing you a shirt, Rashana. we're going to have to sing you a shirt too, sir, um, yeah, because that's what we're about here. Getting started, taking action. This is a great episode. Really? And, you know, I tell people podcasting is a great networking tool. So you never mm-hmm. know where we're we going to pop up yeah. promoting him and what he has going on and vice versa, absolutely. doing some more stuff. So it's definitely a pleasure having you on the show. I know go. you guys got a... T- Ton of value from it. Make sure you follow him. Make sure you support what he has going on. Get that game. Because I learned a lot. I got a bunch of different entities that I haven't tapped into the credit on, and that's what we're working on tonight. And maybe even, like, as
0: I mean, we get right. back here. So S- yeah. send, send them fax letters and I'm sure you'd be surprised.
4: Right. <laughs> we need a list of what banks you're going to, too, to apply for all these credit cards. Well, they ain't, right. they ain't
0: about now. We got, we got those all day long. And I'll let you know where they pull from. <laughs>
4: nice. Good stuff. So Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely. My name is Thank Charles
1: right Oglesby,
3: with Roshanna Scott, and we're signing off.
1: What's going on, podcast listeners? This is your man, Donald, the voice, the official editor and podcast producer of the Oglesby and Scott show and listen I just had to come in and tell you that we appreciate your listenership and I want to give you a special offer for listening to this podcast if you have voiceover, podcast or video editing needs let's talk you can go over to donaldthevoice.com forward slash contact and I'll be happy to talk with you about what you need and how I can serve you you want to sound good and look good so that people can feel good and do good as a result of listening or watching your content and I'm here to help you make that happen so let's talk go over to donaldthevoice.com forward slash contact and we'll talk have a good rest of the day evening morning whatever time it is and i'll talk to you soon